Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase the people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know that we need so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens. In these diversity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, the Talent Surgery, the Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of them all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me for more information to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through my LinkedIn or at nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Caroline Hughes, CEO of Lifetimes, an award-winning fintech that boasts the tagline, life's biggest decisions made simple. Coming from a non-fintech background, Caroline brings a new perspective and way of working to the industry. She's won Standout 35 in this year's Innovate Finance Women of Fintech Power List and runs her own pod called Money and Me. So she's here today to share her journey with us. Um, welcome, Caroline. Lovely to have you. Hi, Nadia. Thank you so much. Um, it would be brilliant if you could start by telling us a bit more about Lifetimes. Yeah, so we are a consumer fintech and we help people figure out how to afford their lives. So all of those life goals that used to seem quite straightforward for people to achieve, buying a house, starting a family, all of those things that now for millennials particularly feels completely out of reach. They don't know how to do it. Um, and so we build tools and software that help them work out all the affordability and then crucially we show them exactly what the steps are that they need to take so we make it super simple for them to figure out these big big life goals that are really important to them well i love the sound of that like because those big life goals can be so daunting when you don't have simplicity to it so it's a brilliant a brilliant mission and, and purpose you've got there now what i love to hear about is um sort of a light bulb moments like what made you think let's get this moving and um, be grateful to share that with us yeah. So, I mean, it came from personal experience. It came from me. So my co-founder is my partner, Nick. So it came from our own experience of struggling with some of these things. Like, are we ever going to get on the property ladder? We've done all the right things. We've been to uni, we've got good jobs and yet we're still finding that things are out of reach. And then we looked around and realized that most of our friends were in the same position. And then we started talking to other people and realized that it was massively widespread, that actually most people didn't really know what they were doing with money, didn't really know how to plan for these things. And that was when we were like, ah, okay, there's something here to be solved on a mass scale. And I think it's so important that you can say that this is something that I felt that I went through, because I think that whenever you're solving a problem and you yourself had that problem or you were challenged by it, it gives you such a good perspective of, of what you're trying to solve. So I absolutely love that, that sort of emotion that's tied to it. I think that's so important. Now, something I'm really interested in you sharing with us is the fact that your previous life um, before FinTech 
wasn't fintech. Um, and I think that uh, that really brings a whole new way of looking at, at the industry. And, you know, obviously, um, Innovate Finance in their power list, they agree, you being the standout 35 this year. I'd love to hear that from you about your previous life and, and what you think that brings to the industry. Yeah, so my life has been a little bit career wise, a little bit unusual. I started out as a lawyer, so but I did intellectual property because I liked the fact that they got all the cool stuff. So if you're an intellectual property lawyer, you're working with cool brands, you're working with tech companies, you're working with people creating really cool things. And so you get all of the toys, you get to see kind of cutting edge innovation. And so I guess my relationship to FinTech is definitely not on the finance side, but is on the technology side. So I've always worked with tech companies, um, but I did like a detour so I was a lawyer for a while and then that was too structured and kind of too one dimensional for me. And I realized through doing law that I was much more of a problem solving business person than I was like a stuffy lawyer. And so I went into fashion and advertising and did sort of half legal, half commercial roles, worked for some companies that were scaling up. So I basically got to practice being an entrepreneur with somebody else's business, which is really helpful because you, you get to have all of the learnings without as much of the underlying responsibility, right? It's ultimately, it's not your biz. Um, so yeah, I helped another business kind of scale up to, you know, tens of millions of dollars in a couple of years. That was, you know, really fast scaling. And then decided I wanted to do it for myself. And I did not expect to be in the financial services industry. If you'd said to me like five, even five years ago, oh yeah, you're going to be building FinTech. I'd have been like, nah, no, <laughs> not a chance. No. But it's just because it's, it's real world problems. I can only get behind real world problems. I can't build something for the sake of it. Mm. It has to be something that genuinely helps people. And I think that's such a good message, the genuinely helping people, but also that you didn't expect to be in fintech. I think that that's an amazing message to send out there because there'll be lots of people listening to this that perhaps have got a perception of the fintech industry. And just to hear your journey, so important that you can make it what, what you want to make it. So there was a bit that you touched upon there that I want to delve a bit more into. So you've had a lot of experience and you call it scrapping for funding. Um, I really want you to share that story because I think it's such an important topic. When people are talking about women in fintech or women in business, funding is a big, big gap that we see and there's challenges. So it'd be lovely to hear your story on it. Yeah, I think I read stats that in, I think Q3, women are about 50% of the funding that they received last year so we it's going backwards and that's not just because of covid but it's like it's because of covid now if if all funding is restricted the ones who lose out even more are women and also minorities who are trying to raise money yeah. but there is just just systemically to know as a female entrepreneur that you are in the mix for two to three percent of all funding worldwide right so nothing to do with you individually. That's just the amount that's been allocated for all women entrepreneurs across all industries means that it is, you are sort of scrapping for funding. That's, there's no two ways about it. You cannot look at those numbers and think anything else until those numbers go up and we get closer to 50, 50 parity, then women literally are, we're, we're, we're competing against one another for a tiny, tiny percentage of the overall amounts that go. And of course they show that, we get funded less often. So far fewer of us get funded, but we also get less money. So we're expected to do more 
with less money with less yeah 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 and it echoes i think what you see across i was actually i did um a workshop on wednesday night talking to women about money and careers and interestingly the thing that came up again and again was women struggling to be promoted and paid the same so the gender pay gap within bigger companies and also getting promotions and it's the same issues that come up it's that men get funded and promoted on potential and women get funded and promoted once we've already proved that we've got that traction that's that's how it works it's shocking isn't it that in this day and age that that, that is still what's happening it's do you know what it just doesn't make it doesn't make commercial sense mm. that's the thing for me you know if if it made commercial sense i'd be like okay sure all right don't fund us as much but it doesn't make commercial sense we actually we often are better stewards of companies we often get better returns so it it does it 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 really if I were, one of my reasons for starting this business is so that I can make enough money to then start angel investing myself because there are right. so many incredible businesses that aren't being built because only the same type of people are getting funded. Yeah, I think that's, it's such an important topic and thank you for sharing, sharing those stats and especially those stats this year that we're, we're now actually going backwards, backwards on a number that was minuscule to start with. It's almost... A joke really what advice do you give because i know that you you've been doing some great things so what advice do you give on that i don't even know if i actually really properly have advice on it because you when you come into it you just come up against the reality but what i would say is find your sponsors right and also if you are a woman entrepreneur you need to sometimes piggyback on other people's credibility that is the reality and it's it shouldn't be like it but you do so for us some of that credibility and opportunities came because we went through the Accenture fintech innovation lab so we went through an accelerator program it also comes sometimes if you can find great mentors who will back you and will advocate for you. But really that's often what you need because you're not necessarily going to have the same network and the same connections to be able to get funded otherwise. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's a, that's an honest, honest answer. And again, drawing on your experience. So I think it's really useful for people to, to hear that. Another angle that I wanted for us to explore was a bit around you and your philosophy and what, what you bring um, to your organization. And I know that you talk about being kind and kindness in business. Um, I'd love to hear, hear you talk us through that. Yeah. And it's really funny, isn't it? Because that shouldn't be a thing. Like it should, that shouldn't be an unusual thing. It's crazy, isn't it? That that's like, that's unique, unique everyone that we're, we're talking about that. <laughs> The differentiator empathy um empathy and financial services that's that's basically our differentiator we care about customers lives and you know there's a lot of talk about being customer centric but there's not a lot of action around being customer centric in financial services and we genuinely are we only do stuff if it benefits people. We start with humans and how do humans see money and how do humans see their lives and what are we all trying to do and what's the underlying psychology of that? And then we build stuff from that position. 
we're not starting with here's a product I need to sell. How can I possibly make a human buy it? We start with what are people trying to get out of their lives? How can we make that easier? And I think it's really funny that that's revolutionary, but it sort of is. It's because we are coming at it purely from that perspective. And then of course the products and revenue and everything will come from that because we're helping people achieve things and you can monetize that. But yeah, we, we start off with a position of how can we help and everything flows from that. Yeah. And I love that. Like, how can we help? Um, and if you put that first and that's your driver, there's so, so much good that we can, we can get out of that afterwards, which I think is so important. Um, another thing that I know you're a big believer of is the power of coaching. Um, and I'd love to see more of this within the industry. So I wanted you to talk, talk us through your thoughts on that. So I've said this in podcasts before that I am a massive believer in having scaffolding. So to be able, I just think it's really funny that in where we talk about other elite people, right? So we look at athletes and we look at musicians, they have people around them to help produce them, to help coach them, to help them be incredibly good at what they do. There isn't an expectation that they can just do it all on their own. They have huge production teams. They have huge coaching teams. They have psychologists. They have everyone around them whose job it is to help them be brilliant at the bit that they have to do right to, to sing a great record or to get out on court and play brilliant matches and yet in a lot of business areas we don't do that we just have people and we put them in leadership roles and we don't often give them that much training on how to lead on areas that they might need to work on in themselves so that they set the right culture so that they do things in the right way and then we're really surprised when they turn out to be terrible people who are egomaniacs who've absolutely <laughs> lost control of of uh, character and everything like that but it's because we don't we don't put scaffolding around people so if you give people power without them having gone through a process where they get help with some of the negative sides we all have we all have weaknesses we all have strengths but i would love to see it just more common that we give people that support structure around them so that they get to develop in the right way. I think that is so, so important. You know, the terminology that you use scaffolding, I'm going to really make a point of that when I publish this podcast, because like, I cannot tell you how important I, I feel that is, especially this week with a few things that I personally have been, been going through and, and people I've been working with. And I think you're absolutely right. Like it is all about, um, encouraging people and supporting people to grow, but in a way where they are receiving that support. And as you say, that scaffolding around them, I think that's such an important point. Yeah. How, like, it's, it's really strange. I think that we just, ex we expect people to go through careers or we expect people to take on additional stress, responsibility, etc. but we don't prepare them for it. So I don't know. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about psychology. I'm really interested in it. So I think it's my job as CEO to get external help to make me a good CEO. I don't think I can just expect myself to magically be a great CEO because there's, I haven't done it before. <laughs> How am I going to be a great CEO? I haven't done it. I need other people to help me. Yeah, absolutely. And, I'm, and I'm really, I really respect that because I think there are a lot of people that, that wouldn't 
wouldn't want to say, uh, well, I, I, I might not be. Instead, it's just like, let's put on the bravado. Let's just keep going forward saying that I am. And actually, you're digging yourself a hole and getting worse and worse rather than stepping back and saying, look, I don't know everything. Why don't I become the best I can be? Um, it's a, you know, it's a journey, I think. Uh, but it's so, so powerful that you're, you're sharing that as, as one of your founding beliefs um, with everybody that's listening, because I think it takes a bit of the, the stigma out of it uh, for people who are in their careers now thinking, I'd, I'd like to get better. Um, and, 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 and just how they do that. I think it's really important. Like go out and, and ask, ask for that help. Um, yeah. So my, my final question for you is um, around this year and the challenge of this year, COVID has impacted all of us. Um, what would you say have been your biggest learns for you and, and the business? Probably around setting expectations, right? So I'm somebody who tends to operate at warp speed when I can. <laughs> and so being in situations where not only can you not go at warp speed, but you might have to sometimes sort of just crawl a little while, you know, or just stay still or pause and <laughs> look around, reassess and then make decisions is sometimes deeply uncomfortable for me because I'm just like, but let's just go. Come on, we can do this. We've got stuff, we've got stuff, we've got stuff. And, you know, we started, when I think back to March when we were crowdfunding and the FinTech Power List and all of that, that seems like a lifetime ago, that sort of pre-lockdown pre bit where the goals that we had for this year were very, very clear to us. And now we have slightly different goals right we've adjusted we we haven't actually had to pivot you know we're very fortunate that our business is still the same but we have just had to rejig things on our roadmap and reassess what the expectations are then based on that because it's just a it's a we've we're just changing things around as we as we kind of learn more about what's open to us in terms of revenue opportunities in terms of partnerships and so I think I thought I was resilient and flexible before. <laughs> and now, now I think I'm getting there. I'm definitely not there hundred percent, but this year I think in many ways has been brilliant from a growth perspective, like personal growth, because you really learn as a founder, you have to strip out what is not working for you. So you have to make pretty tough decisions and you have to be pretty okay with doing that as you go, right? Because it, everything's like shifting sands underfoot. And so in a way for us, it has been almost like being back to very early days as a founder, but with all the learnings that we've had. So we get to go back to kind of basics on some things and be like, okay, if, as we're reassessing, what do we want the business to look like in 12 months, knowing what we know now? And that's actually quite exciting in many ways. Oh. I love hearing about that. And I think that, you know, your positivity really sort of shines through and, you know, just, just authentically talking through, through what you've learned. And I, I love the fact that you shared that with us. And, and you know what, I'm a sucker for a story around resilience. Like that is, it's literally my favorite thing. And I absolutely love that, you know, that there are some people where 
the challenge of this year, they've really stood up to that challenge. And what you said about it being exciting moving forward now, I think it's just so, it's so brilliant to hear that. So, you know, I've loved everything that you've said today. You've been absolutely brilliant teaching us more about the funding parts of things, um, telling us about how, how you've grown in your resilience, learning about how kindness shouldn't be something that makes you unique. Let's just call that a normal basic way of working please um but yeah i think it's been a brilliant podcast and i thank you so much for sharing your journey with us it's brilliant having you on here thank you oh it's been a pleasure thanks so much for having me <laughs>